Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball. From growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. No! Oh my God! How could he do that? Are you on Donate? What? Charles Darwin. The nerves is where it's at. Welcome everybody back into Nerd Sesh. As always, I'm Carson Brabber and alongside me is Logan Camden. And today, a special guest in the studio with us, friend of the show, Mikey Goody, resident Las Vegas Raiders fan in town. So we may bring in Mikey throughout the show, get a little bit of his perspective, but we're basically just going to use him as a Mikey button. We point to him, he says something, you guys listen, you guys laugh. Okay, so enjoy that. I see he wants to talk right now, Mikey, I haven't pushed the button yet, so you're not allowed to. What we are going to start with today, though, is the major story of the day in the NFL, and that is that Odell Beckham Jr., after basically forcing his way out of Cleveland, things had been completely fractured and he was clearly unhappy there. He has now been cut, and he is on the waiver wire. So we'll talk about what that means for Cleveland, but Logan, let's start with this from Odell's perspective and the perspective of the teams that now have a chance to go out there and get him. Where do you want to see Odell land, and what kind of impact can he have in specific situations. Uh, my favorite landing spot for Odell is probably Baltimore, just because they've been looking for that, you know, big complimentary piece uh, for Lamar. I mean, you know, Hollywood Brown, a big play threat. Mark Andrews, really consistent over the middle target. But they still need that other outside vertical presence. Uh, they brought in Sammy Watkins in the offseason. And, you know, Sammy's been solid, but he hasn't been outstanding. Like, Sam, uh, excuse me, Odell could take this offense truly up to another level um, with the spacing he would bring, the, just the the attention that he would bring on the outside of the field. And I think he'd be targeted fairly often. I mean, it's just a big need that the Ravens have been looking to fill for a while. So that's probably my favorite landing destination. I also have considered, you know, I think the Cowboys are an interesting spot just because it seems like they're in the running for every free agent. But with their deep receiving core, it doesn't really make sense. So I think my second favorite landing spot would probably be Kansas City, you know. Uh, interestingly enough, they lose Sammy Watkins this last offseason. They have been looking for that third big-time target uh, alongside Kelsey and Hill. And I mean, I don't know how you defend that. I mean, Meikle Hardman has looked good. Demarcus Robinson has looked okay. But I mean, Odell is on a different planet than those uh, two guys. Mm -hmm. So I mean, those are probably my favorite two landing spots just because they fill significant needs and they're 
you know, the Ravens may not be a high-octane vertical attack. They could become one if they bring in a guy like Odell. So I just think fit-wise, need-wise, necessity-wise, I think it just works for both teams, and it just makes a lot of sense for both parties. Ravens would be my favorite choice as well because I think it's not just the potential, but the potential that Odell has stretching the field. It's also just his versatility as a receiver, the various ways in which you can use him, line him up in the slot. You can use him a lot in the short intermediate passing game. You can use him in screens. Like there's just so many different things he can do to open up this passing game. And obviously we have seen Lamar have a pretty good year as a passer overall. He's had some outstanding performances, but that remains the dimension of this offense that you think if they fully unlock it, they're effectively unstoppable because we know how well they're going to run the ball every single time out. So that would be my favorite. And also, I just think what's exciting about that is it's the rare spot out of the ones you listed where he has the potential to become the most dynamic option on the field and like maybe the most targeted guy, maybe the number one receiver. Obviously, he has lost something athletically, explosively, but I also still think he's better than his resume in Cleveland this year would suggest. Like there was just... Frequent miscommunications with him and Baker. Baker not hitting him when he was open. Baker missing throws to him. And I think that if you put him in the right situation, he can perform at a higher level than what we've seen. But if you're putting him in Kansas City immediately, clearly the third option. If you put him in Dallas with Michael Gallup coming back now soon, he's their number three or number four receiver probably. So I like Baltimore. I think it fills a major need for them. And I think individually for Odell, if we're going to see him get back to producing at a really high level it's got to be in a spot like that where he's going to get more of the target share. Yeah, I agree. I also considered um, Tampa Bay a little bit as well. And I, there's a wealth of weapons there. It just seems like they land every single free agent yeah. that pops up on the market. Um, maybe you can consider the Rams with them getting rid of Deshaun Jackson opening up. Because that was been that had been a rumor um, in the rumor mill uh, these past couple weeks is just that the Rams were freeing up a ton of cap space. Obviously, they bring in Von Miller. That was a portion of it. But his salary doesn't count against them. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're planning another big free agent signing. Um, is there any merit to you to the Rams, to the Buccaneers, maybe the Raiders uh, in need of another wide receiver now? I think those... Outside of the Chiefs and the Ravens, I think they're the obvious favorites. Do you put any merit in uh, those other teams that I've listed off? Yeah, I think that there's a whole ton of contenders who will take an extra weapon. Obviously, we know how important the receiver position is in the NFL today, and uh, there's an abundance of good receivers out there, but you will always take more. So what's interesting is what's so unique about the situation is the waiver wire element of it all, in that... Odell is obviously going to have some element of choice in where he ends up because he's probably not going to say, yeah, Jags, I'll come play for you guys. Sure, I'll sign up with the Texans. Like He'll probably just tell them flatly, no, I'm not going to do that. But he also doesn't get to determine completely where he ends up. And pretty much all of the teams we have mentioned are low on the waiver wire, like in the late teens, into the 20s. I think that there's a couple more interesting destinations beyond who you mentioned. I think the Niners are sitting in the best spot on the waiver wire. They are 12th as far as priority goes. I think that they could stand to add just another dynamic element to this offense. Clearly, they still want to win now, but they just kind of need a shot in the arm. They need something that is going to make this machine go and take their ceiling up another level. He could conceivably be that. And then I think the Saints are a team that have so many strong elements, obviously. We know how reliable Kamar is as an offensive engine. We know how great this defense has been, but it's just the receiving weapons are so lackluster and the passing game overall has just been very limited this year. So I think that he is a guy who could implement there as like a number two. 
and that would be very interesting. We're going to press the Mikey button here, though, Logan, because one of the teams that was mentioned was the Las Vegas Raiders. Mikey, as a Raiders fan, give us your take on that. Well, look, the Raiders desperately need another receiver now. With everything that happened this past week, losing Henry Ruggs, before that, or sorry, after that, the Raiders only had three wide receivers on the roster. Uh, Brian Edwards has shown a lot of promise, but he's been pretty inconsistent, only really probably getting about 80% of his yards in the fourth quarter in overtime. He leads the NFL in that stat. And you have Hunter Renfro, who's undeniably very, very consistent, but not the kind of guy that you would trust as a number one receiver. And then you have Zay Jones, who is praised for practicing really hard, and he's made some spectacular plays, but he only has a handful of receptions on the season. So it's not someone you can really trust. And the only move we've made so far is pulling up Dylan Stoner, the undrafted free agent from Oklahoma State, to the active roster. And he played very well in preseason. A couple people thought he was going to make the active roster, and he didn't. And I just think that's really not enough to get it done. Mm -hmm. uh, I think if you're looking just on the current roster, an option could be putting Darren Waller at receiver, stretching him out wide, and putting Foster Moreau at tight end. Moreau played really well tight end in the last game against the Eagles where Waller was out. So that could be a conceivable option in bringing Deshaun Jackson in. But... I think if you look at the team at 5-2, first place in the AFC West, really trying to make a move to win now, losing such a dynamic weapon in Henry Ruggs, I just think Odell is a perfect person to slide into that offense as a number one option. You know, Derek's great about spreading the ball around. Odell will get his targets, and he's going to get those deep shots, and I think this is a situation where he could very quickly get back into the public eye as a top receiver. And I think that's the biggest aspect, which you touch on with Derek Carr, of where Odell needs to go, is you need a guy who is going to pinpoint deep balls. Like, that's... You can look at the issues in Cleveland and why he wasn't getting touches. Baker was just flat out missing him on deep mm -hmm. balls. He needs to go to a guy who is going to pinpoint that ball. That's why I think it works for Las Vegas. And that's why I would be a little skeptical about the Niners move. Not that Garoppolo's not dynamic. And I guess, with your point, you can use Odell in any type of in any type of situation, like you said, in the slot, on screens. But I think he's best used as a vertical weapon. So I just want him to go somewhere with a guy that has a competent deep arm and can pinpoint balls deep down the field because I think that's where Odell's going to be best used. Yeah, it would be fun to see him go to the Raiders just because the weapons that they had in that receiving core before the year were such a major question mark outside of, of course, Darren Waller. And then we did see impressive production from Ruggs, and we did see impressive production from Renfro we have up to this point. Brian Edwards, as Mikey said, has, I would say, certainly overachieved expectations. But adding that really dynamic weapon alongside Darren Waller would certainly help to continue to unlock a different ceiling for an offense that has been very good and a team that has kind of just kept on winning in spite of the tremendous adversity that it has faced. So let's look at this from the Browns' perspective now because this is a team that is spiraling a little bit at the very least. You would not have looked at Cleveland before the year, I don't think, and said they'd be 500 after eight games. Obviously, this is just not good for overall morale, having a player demand out. So, Logan, right now, give me your take. Are the Browns a playoff team? I don't think they are. And, I mean, I think it has a lot to do with the schedule that they are going to face the rest of the season and with what we've seen from these past few weeks. They put up 14 on the Cardinals, 17 on the Broncos. They scored 10 against Pittsburgh. And it's two top five. Uh, it's two top five defenses uh, in the Broncos and the Cardinals. A top ten defense in Pittsburgh. 
And I mean, the rest of the way, dude, you play five more top 10 defenses, the Bengals twice, the Steelers again, then the Patriots and the Packers, and you play the Ravens twice while they've struggled against uh, through the air. Uh, they've got a top five run defense. Essentially, uh, with the injuries that we have seen to Chubb and Hunt, you're asking me and anyone who's going to pick the Browns in the playoffs to put your faith in Baker to lead this team out. I just don't see it. Like, I don't know, man. I feel like it's kind of a dead storyline with, with Baker and his struggles through the air. I just don't trust him. And again, with the tough defense that you're going to play here, I just don't see a path. Like, the Bengals are going to put points up on this team's head. The only easy wins the rest of the way they're going to come are to the Detroit Lions, too. Like, every other game here is a dogfight. There is mm-hmm. a real world in which I see this team going 6-11 and 11 or 7-10 wow. and 10 and just stumbling. Like, there are no gimme games the rest of the way here. I don't see it, man. I don't know. I guess we'll have to really see what this team looks like back with Chubb and Hunt back at full health and if they can just dominate on the ground. But these are not going to be easy games. They're against teams with tough, stout run defenses and good pass rushes. I just think, I just don't see it. I have zero faith in the Browns. I said preseason that this was a team I really didn't believe in, that it was kind of fluky, uh, their run last season. And I don't know, man, we have not seen the dynamic uh, aspects of this offense since the Chargers game, and that's against the worst run defense in the NFL. And that's where, you know, the play action was able to really work well off of with Baker. Mm -hmm. And I just don't see any defenses that are going to be able to beat up on like they did uh, against Los Angeles. So, no, I I think flat out that the Browns are pretty fraudulent and that they're easily not a playoff team in my eyes. Wow. Wow. I think that they are certainly towing the line. I think it's hard for me to see a world in which they end this year as a six-win team. I just think they're too talented, and I think that their identity is well-established enough. But the problem has been they haven't run the ball well in two of the last three weeks. They've been held under 100 yards, and guess what? When you do that, you're going to lose. Your offense overall isn't going to be dynamic because we know, like you said, Baker has to have the table set for him so that play-action stuff becomes just the go-to. And... They just have not had that, and the offense has struggled overall. We saw the same thing with Case Keenum out there, but like it really hasn't been better when Baker has been in the game. So that's a problem, because if this team was going to win 11 games, it was going to be on the back of excellent offense and running the ball down teams' throats, and we saw that at points this year, but we haven't seen it consistently enough. And like you said, they have the second toughest strength of schedule remaining, and it's going to be a really packed wildcard race in the AFC. So my general feeling is that they still claw their way to probably like 9-8. and eight, But there's a lot of toss-up type games for them down the stretch. And they haven't given a whole ton of reasons to trust them as of late. You want to bet on that? On them over under 9 wins? Yeah. Let me think about that. I'll put it at 8.5. 8.5, I'll take the over. You'll take the over bet. Where are we betting? 3K CDs? Yeah. My hand's a little sweaty. I'll fist bump you instead of shaking your hand there. So where do you think that they rank among AFC North teams? Are they last for you? Yes, I I think they are. And it's tough to put them behind Pittsburgh, dude, because we'll get into this. Uh, I I don't think we've seen any offensive improvement whatsoever uh, over these past few weeks. But I believe in the Steelers' defense. You know, like they just have such a clear strength and where the Browns just don't. The Ravens are consistent. The Bengals have an elite passing attack. I want to ask you a question off this, and maybe Mikey here if you're interested. The Browns did pick up the fifth-year option on Baker for next season. Mm -hmm. If he struggles, like, if the Browns don't make the playoffs, because I think pretty clearly 
with all the talk surrounding them in the offseason, the standard was we were going to be a playoff team year in, year out. If they fail to make the playoffs this season, do we maybe see them move on from Baker this offseason, even though they picked up his option, or are they going to rock with him for another year? What's the incentive in your eyes to move on from him early? I don't really think there is an incentive. I'm just saying that you're wasting you're wasting a year of Chubb effectively, you're wasting a year of Kareem Hunt, you're wasting another year of Jarvis Landry, and you're wasting another year of two really good potential pass rushers if you bring back Clowney and Miles Garrett. I'm not saying there's necessarily an incentive to just get off of that salary, but if there is potentially a better option in the draft, that would prob- that would just be the uh that would be the reason you move on. Mikey Budden. Yeah, so I think we've seen with this draft, there's a really inconsistent group of passers. You know, that's there's no true guy, and they're going to have a pretty middling pick in the middle of the first round anyways, but there aren't a ton of guys that inspire confidence. Some of the top guys, Spencer Rattler, Sam Howell, Keaton Slovis, all those guys that just really haven't played up to expectations this year. Uh, Rattler being benched, Slovis effectively splitting time with a mm-hmm. true freshman, and Sam Howell just not leading a very good North Carolina team and I think kind of with how the Browns went from basically the bottom bottom of the NFL to making the playoffs last year and some of the effect that Baker's had on them I think it's a little too early to move on especially because as I said there's not really a clear upgrade available I would agree with Mikey in the sense that it's just not worth forcing it if you don't actually have a quality replacement because here's the reality they are not going to pay Baker like a star quarterback once that fifth year is up. They mm-hmm. are not going to give him $35, $40 million a year. That's just completely out of the question at this stage. But would I rather have a solid replacement-level quarterback when I feel like I have a good team around him and I can win 10 games in the NFL for another year? I would certainly opt in for that. I do think long-term they have to find a different solution, and we'll see what it is. Maybe I shouldn't say that they have to, because I do think you can win a whole lot of games with Baker Mayfield. Mm-hmm. You just have to have a great, great team around him. And I don't know if they're quite at that standard just yet. So there's a decision coming up, no doubt. But I would be surprised if he wasn't their starter for next year. So we mentioned the Steelers there, Logan, as we talk about the AFC North section. Let me just ask you, how legitimate is the little turnaround that we've seen from them here? Because early weeks... There was a lot of talk on this show about how ugly things had been. Now they've won three in a row. They're four and three. They're right back in that wild card race. How are you feeling about Pittsburgh? Uh, you know, I'm not feeling great. I, I think you talk about the legitness, the realness of a turnaround. I think we're still seeing the exact same team that we saw early on in the season. I mean, the win against the Seahawks was predicated on a T.J. Watt forced fumble and just completely uh, out of left field. Against the Browns, we needed T.J. Watt to come up big again. Mm-hmm. Like, the uh, the issues that have been persistent with the Steelers early in the season are still here. Our offensive line still blows. And that's why, look, bro, uh, Ben has been the butt of jokes for the entirety of this season, and I still think that if we had a competent offensive line that Ben could be a lot better. I mean, go back and watch this Browns game, please. Miles Garrett... And I want to give credit to Dan Moore because I thought Dan Moore did a tremendous job of staying in front of him and just keeping Miles at bay. Miles Garrett get off at the snap is the best in the NFL. And he is getting to Ben within two seconds repeatedly, causing him to just get rid of the football over and over again. And it's not just with Miles. There's been an issue with any competent pass rusher this season where we have not had time. So the offensive line has been an issue and Ben has been having to get rid of the football. I will say, though, Ben has not looked 
that much better. You know how Carson and I said that he had PTSD earlier in the year? Mm-hmm. Bro, I, there was this one play in the Browns game where there's a slant, and Ben literally throws it into triple coverage because he is just scared of getting hit. It didn't end up in an interception, but it should have easily. That's still an issue. Ben gets trigger happy at times. The one bright spot and the only area I will say that I've seen improvement in this offense, and that is real, we have gotten so much more of a push up front from this offensive line in the running game. We have not been able to protect Ben, but Mm -hmm. we have given Najee so much more room to attack. Like, And you've seen over these past three weeks, 147 rushing yards against the Broncos, 119 against the Seahawks, 115 against the Browns. The line is just pushing these defensive fronts and giving Najee so much more room to run. That is the only area I would say that we have seen the Steelers genuinely grow throughout this season. Ben is still washed and old and has PTSD and tends to get trigger happy. Our offensive line does not protect him up front and give him time to make reads and make plays, but they are giving Najee genuine time at the point of attack to get yardage up front. And our defense, in my opinion, is still a top-five unit in the NFL. Mm -hmm. So, I I don't know. I I believe somewhat in the turnaround. I just... There is a hard ceiling on this team moving forward when you cannot move the ball consistently through the air or give Ben time to throw. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely positive when we finally have a running game, but the passing attack still is not there. Yeah. Look, I mean, we have seen progress in that these last three weeks, the Steelers have had their three highest rushing total outputs. They've had their three highest overall yardage outputs. But at the end of the day, it is still just a pretty darn weak offense. And we've seen them win a few games on the back of them playing excellent defensively and, for the most part, limiting some pretty flawed offenses. The Broncos, and then you have the Seahawks with Geno out there. Mm -hmm. And then this Browns game really was impressive. But again, we've even seen the Cleveland offense just struggle to really establish itself in the same way recently. So I still don't think the Steelers are much more than a 500 kind of team because I just think offensively it's so labored. And if they don't put themselves in a position where they can give the ball to Najee 25 times like we've seen them do these last few weeks... I just really worry because I don't think that they're throwing themselves back in any games. I don't think that they're putting up enough points to compete with a lot of great teams. I'm doubling down. I thought you were about to push the Mikey button because you had your finger down on the table. I might push the Mikey button if he's interested <laughs> in talking. Three quesadillas, Steelers make the playoffs. I'm wow. all in. Are you down? Yeah, I will bet against the Steelers making the playoffs. Let's go. Big swing. I've been six quesadillas one day. Interesting, man. I just really think that they're going to have to win some tough games down the stretch, dude. I mean, you still have the Ravens twice. You still have the Browns. You still have to go to Kansas City. Look, dude, I know you're laughing at the Browns. (laughs) I don't know that that's totally justified. I'm not laughing at the Browns. I'm laughing at Lamar. Oh, my goodness, Logan. Dude, the Steelers have the Lamar recipe, bro. I've done this on the show before. Mm Mm-hmm. We just have the recipe. Lamar has sucked in every single game he has ever played against us, bruh. Yeah, but what happens when you can only put up 14 points? What happens when Lamar can only put up... Look, bruh. Passer rating of 59.2, 381 yards, 3 TDs, and 5 picks in 4 games with the Steelers. That's without the fumble numbers as well, bruh. Lamar sucks against us. I think we sweep the Ravens this year. That's... A very high level of confidence, Logan. I also, you still go to Cincy, you still go to LA. Like, there's just a lot of tough games left on the schedule where I don't think their offense is good enough to compete. So, I don't know, man. The AFC wildcard race, again, it's picking up a little bit. We've had some more legitimate teams 
emerged. Pats have been playing really well as of late, and I just have so many issues with this offense. But I do think clearly Najee's a great player. I mean, obviously you have talent on the outside with Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool. Like, there's talented receivers here undeniably, and we've known that. I just don't think it's been enough offensively for me to say, yeah, I have tremendous confidence in this team now all of a sudden. But the defense is obviously exceptional, and guess what? If you can win a game where you score 15 points against the Browns, that's impressive. But, like, they've scored 24 points once all year, Logan. Like, this is the number 26 scoring offense in football. It is brutal. It's a grind every single week. I know. It's it's actually pretty horrendous football to watch. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's pretty ugly. we got the best defensive front in the NFL, and... uh I'm betting on it. You know, I always get arrogant, you know, stupidly arrogantly confident in this team at various points of the season. I'm not picking us to the Super Bowl like I did preseason, mm-hmm. but I think the playoffs are pretty manageable. Like, I think to make the playoffs, we have these next two games are must wins. Like, we cannot drop the ball against Chicago and Detroit. And like you said, any game with Pittsburgh is a toss up. Mm-hmm. So if we don't win these next two games, I'm definitely, I'm not hitting the Mikey button, I'm hitting the panic button. <laughs> um, but I think I, I still believe in this team. I believe in this defense. Mikey Budden. Yeah, I just got a question for you. How many wins do you think the Steelers end with, and how many wins do you think it takes to make it to the playoffs in the AFC? It's tough. I think we're a 9- or 10-win team, and I think that's the mark that we're going to have to hit. I think it may take a little luck in the Chargers dropping a game or two, in the Pats dropping a game or two because they have caught fire, um, the Raiders dropping off a little bit. Like, Don't get me wrong. It's extenuating circumstances, but... I don't know. I think nine or ten wins. Ten wins is probably the mark. I think we can get there. Okay. So when I look at this schedule, right, you guys should be six and three. You have the Bears and the Lions at home the next two weeks. Then tell me how many of these games you're going to be favorites in. Going to L.A. Nope. Going to Cincinnati. Nope. We're going to have home field advantage in L.A. Okay. But I think the worst run defense in the NFL. Najee is going to eat on them. You guys have been overall a weak rushing attack. It has improved. I don't think that you can just disregard And By the way, I mean, they just have so much more potential for a dynamic performance offensively. If you think that you... I really do not expect the Steelers to be perceived as the favorite against the Chargers unless they continue on this slide This dude in his favorites. Yeah, the Titans weren't favorites against the Bills or the Chiefs, were they? This is my point, though. We're taking a broad look at it. You can make an argument for any team to win any NFL game, Logan. That's not what we're doing here, okay? Going to L.A., nope. Going to Cincinnati, nope. Hosting Baltimore, nope. Going to Minnesota, nope. Hosting Tennessee, maybe if they struggle without Derrick Henry. Going to Kansas City, nope. Hosting Cleveland, probably nope. Going to Baltimore, absolutely not. So that's like one game down the stretch. My point is, it's going to take a lot to get to nine wins. It's going to take almost a miracle to get to ten. Watch. (laughs) I will. But, like, there is not a single team offensively out of those last eight games who the Steelers match up with. Not a single team. These dudes and their offense, bro. Offense this, offense that. Look, bro, I've told you. Thank you. Steelers offense bad. (laughs) Thanks, Carson. I get that, bro. Like I've told you, I believe in this defense to limit teams do enough, limit teams offensively enough to where we can eke by, kick some field goals, and win the game, you know? Mm-hmm. I like my chances in this bet. I really like my okay. chances. All okay, right. and I like my chances. I believe in Pittsburgh. All right. Well, we are the... We are the... Uh, we are the... You don't even know what you are. <laughs> I, I'm looking. I'm searching for the words. They're just not coming. Um, You're the Pittsburgh Ironmen. <laughs> 1940s BAA team. We are the model of consistency in the NFL. And that's going to shine too. We're going to make the playoffs, bro. 
model of consistently being terrible at offense. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a break. On the other half, we've got a few more pressing questions on our mind here about the NFL. We're going to talk about some of the biggest contenders standing out in our mind, our Super Bowl favorites. So stay tuned for that. We'll be back in a second. You are listening to Nerd Sesh on Blaze Radio and blazeradioonline.com. Welcome back, everybody. Hope you enjoyed that quick little break there. So, as we hinted at, right now we're going to talk about who we think is the Super Bowl favorite, Logan. Because obviously, we have seen a lot of strong teams emerge towards the top of, really, the NFC. I guess you have a team or two in the AFC that have been impressive. But who would you have in that top spot right now? It's a logo on the shirt that you're wearing, Carson. Come on, bro. I'm rocking with the Bills, baby. I don't know how you, like... I don't know how you don't believe in this team, bro. They got the number one offense, number one defense. They're first in point differential. They're first in turnover differential. They forced the second most turnovers in the NFL this season. They've turned the ball over the second least amount of times in the NFL this season. Like, you just look at their performances in individual games. What other teams are completely shutting out the Dolphins and the Texans? They dropped a 40-burger on the football team. They rolled over the Dolphins last week. And their two losses this season were absolute fluke losses to the Steelers and Titans. Like, I went over this... It required Josh Allen slipping mm-hmm. on the uh, on that last play. It required the Titans scoring on six straight drives. It required the Steelers' special teams unit blocking a punt and recovering it for a TD. For my money, and Carson, maybe you'll refute this claim, they've got the best quarterback in football. They've got the best red zone quarterback in football. They've got the best red zone attack in football. And, like, you know, I can look at the most improved defense. I can look at the improvement in the running game this season. The reason that I believe in the Bills over anything else is they've got the best quarterback in the NFL. That's where I think Josh Allen is right now. There's nobody that deals with pressure better in the league. There's nobody that is better throwing on the run than Josh Allen. There's nobody that makes... Just... I think Josh Allen is the best quarterback in football, and that's why I believe in the Bills more than any other team in the NFL. Go ahead, Carson. Give me your Patrick Mahomes spiel. I've been saying this for weeks now, that Josh is the best QB in football, and I fundamentally believe it. I love the kid. I don't think there's anybody better. There's nobody better in the red zone. There's nobody better down-to-down. There's no better rushing and passing combo in the NFL today than Josh Allen, and I'm rocking with him. Look, I'm not exactly going to sit here and be a Patrick Mahomes advocate right now because it's been too many troubling weeks consecutively he to me is the de facto presumptive best quarterback in football but you know what man i mean he has uh, like 10 turnovers over the last seven weeks or whatever 10 picks that's pretty inexcusable so i suppose josh makes a case man i mean he's obviously right up there and i think that he is top two and top three undoubtedly i think the bills are clearly by far the best team in the afc and uh, I don't really know what the argument to the counter would be. Like you said, their losses have not been games in which they were outplayed. Steelers game was like mind-bogglingly weird. And then the Titans, they moved the ball effortlessly. They outgained them, and it just came down to a couple mistakes situationally. And you think that they probably win that game seven, eight times out of ten. So I agree, and the defense has been so exceptional overall, forcing turnovers situationally number five third down defense number seven fourth down defense number two red zone defense like it has really been an exceptional group this year the only thing to me if i were to nitpick the bills would be that they have thoroughly dominated some miserable competition Mm -hmm. dude like the dolphins 
played so poorly in that game. The Bills didn't even play well, and they won 35 nothing. Then, this last outing against the Dolphins, the Bills played a very, very poor first half. Like, uh, unbelievably poor, frankly. And that was a competitive game much longer than it should have been. Texans are different planet bad. Washington football team sucks. So... I think that the defensive numbers are a little bit inflated by that because against good offenses, and we've only seen the Bills play two, the Chiefs moved the ball. It was really turnovers that helped the Bills win that game and then a really strong offensive performance, and the Titans were able to move the ball. So I would like to see a little bit more from them there. I want to see them prove that they are actually a top-five unit. I think clearly it's a good defense. Do I think it is the number one scoring defense in the NFL good? Do I think it's the number one total yardage defense in the NFL? The number one passing defense? Like, that's what it's been this year. It's been exceptional. Maybe not at that level. I don't think that they need to be that good to win the Super Bowl, though, because last year they were mediocre defensively, and I thought that they were still knocking on the door because the offense was so great. And the offense, I do think, is improved. I think the run game is improved. I think, like you said, Josh is the best red zone quarterback in football because of just the multitude of ways in which he can kill you. The receiving core is improved. The Bills are in a different class than everybody in the AFC, in my opinion, and we're going to see them continue to improve that. They're going to just feast on a couple more weak teams, mm-hmm. and then they'll pick up some quality wins, although they just don't really have that many more tough games this regular season at all. Like, they shouldn't lose more than, like, one game left on their schedule, honestly. Maybe two, but they're going to be favored in every game except for when they go to Tampa. So, yeah, this is a great team. I just want to see them do it against high-level competition. And again, they're not going to have a ton of chances to, but they've had some underwhelming performances, and some of their, like, wow, look at how dominant of a showing that was, have just been against terrible teams. Yeah, I do think there's a couple more prove-it games down the rest of this schedule, though. Uh, Colts, Saints, yeah. Pats twice, Bucks. Just because of the defenses there, mm-hmm. um, they're going to challenge them. I do have two questions, though. I'm, I'm going to toss it to Mikey. I'm hitting the Mikey button this okay. time. Mikey, I want to ask you first, who do you think is the best quarterback in football? Like, Or who else is up there with Josh Allen? This dude's going to say Derek Carr. Derek Carr is the best leader <laughs> nice. of, between the quarterbacks in football. I think before this year, I would 100% say Patrick Mahomes. But we've seen that when he doesn't have that number three option, when he's getting pressured and when his defense is really struggling, it's just not going well. The play calling isn't there. He's turning it over at a pretty crazy high rate and so I think right now it would be Josh Allen I think Lamar at times looks like the best quarterback in football but this is a guy who has not shown up in a lot of really big spots who has some monster performances and then can kind of fall off passing the ball and so I would agree that Josh Allen would be my number one quarterback in the NFL now if we're talking about in the playoffs I'm taking Tom Brady Every You're year. One of the, he's one of those guys. Look, I hate the guy, but damn it, I respect him. Every year he proves me wrong. And yeah. <laughs> leading into this with some of the top quarterbacks in football, I'd like to give my current Super Bowl prediction. Okay. Right now, I'm taking the L.A. Rams with Matthew Stafford at quarterback. Mm-hmm. I think you got a guy who's been consistently one of the top players at his position for last 10 years who's now in a winning situation with a great young offensive-minded coach he's got the best receiver in the nfl right now in cooper cup who has nearly a thousand yards in seven games you got robert woods who's a great second option daryl henderson's been running the ball well 
And I have a question on him. Do you think the Von Miller move tips the needle? Or, you know, Von Miller had some mm-hmm. strong production early in the season. I believe he has four sacks thus far. He's a little banged up, and he's 32 years old. But when you already have Aaron Donald coming at you, how do you handle Von Miller as well? Yeah, so honestly, I think the Rams are the best football team as well. And my Super Bowl pick before the year was Rams over the Bills in the Super Bowl. As we approach the midway point, I completely stand by that. I just think that the Rams have a level of effortlessness which which, with which they produce on offense. Guys are just open so consistently. They have moved the ball kind of regardless of opponent. And I do think that the Vaughn Miller addition matters because obviously this is still a good pass rush, but... Last year, it was up there with Mm -hmm. the Steelers for just the best pass rush in football. It was unbelievable. And with the loss of Michael Brockers, it had taken a bit of a step back. Obviously, Von Miller is not what he was at his apex, but he is still a productive pass rusher. He is still a very legitimate guy to have in the mix there. And I think that, really, it is going to be about this Rams defense reaching its ceiling because the offense has been every bit as good as you could have reasonably expected. But coming into the year, we thought... It's like a lock that this is a top five defense too. And it's been consistently a top five offense, but it's mostly just been a pretty good defense. If they can get back to being elite defensively, I don't really know who comes all that close as far as being a complete elite football team. Yeah, I agree. And of course, you talk about the loss of Michael Brockers, also the loss of Morgan Fox factors into that. I mean, this was an elite pass rush last season. I think Mikey makes a good point. I I know it's like the stereotypical, how are you going to block Aaron Donald and Von Miller? But it's a good point. Aaron Donald... Gets double team and triple team every single play. And I know that's a beat storyline, but it's like, go ahead. Put one guy on Von Miller, please. Mm -hmm. I I think it does take them up another notch, although I don't think it addresses their biggest need. I think they're going to have to be more stout run defensively wise. Like, Mm -hmm. I think when it comes playoff time, if you get down in games, I think that is probably my chief concern for this team. They just are kind of lacking that over-the-middle roaming, uh, just kind of eat-it-up tackler and run stopper over the middle. Um that's my only concern, but I, I completely agree with you, uh, both of you guys, honestly. I think we've identified the top two teams in football, Carson. I think you did an excellent job preseason identifying them. That is my Super Bowl pick uh, through this season, although I think I'm taking Bills over mm-hmm. Rams. Um, if the if the Rams reach their apex where they were defensively during their uh, the height of their team, I, yeah. I think they are the clear favorite in the NFL. Mikey Budden. Another point I want to make on the Rams is it is a little concerning they have a pretty easy schedule that they've played mm-hmm. thus far. You know, the only big win they've had over a winning team is against the Buccaneers. Mm-hmm. You know, they had an easy win over the Bears with Andy Dalton, that quarterback, and Matt Nagy calling the plays. <laughs> Close one over the Colts. You know, they got dominated by the Cardinals, beat the Seahawks, toasted the Giants, beat the Lions, although that was closer than it should have been. And they were up 38-0 on the Texans last week before a, a late resurgence. And they do have the number three strength of schedule Mm-hmm. going forward in the season but honestly just looking at some of the games they played there are a lot of very winnable games here i mean yeah. going to green bay is going to be tough but you're hosting the titans this week sunday night football without derrick henry you're going up against the niners team next week that's proven to be very inconsistent um you still got a game against jacksonville mm-hmm. you got potentially the geno smith led seahawks depending on russell wilson's timeline i mean Playing at the Ravens is going to be a tough game, and playing at the Vikings will be a challenge too. But overall, I mean, none of these are are games in which they shouldn't be favored. Yeah. And so I think just they just don't have the toughest path in the regular season. 
And, Mikey, I think you make a good point. We have seen them play just some miserable teams these last few weeks. The thing is, that offense has just never wavered. Mm -hmm. They have at least 365 yards of offense in every single game. Even that Cardinals game, which was ugly, right after my takeaway was... They moved the ball very consistently. They just shot themselves in the foot in a couple spots, and they couldn't get stops. But their offense still looked good. It's like you have a couple turnovers early in drives. You miss Cooper Cup on what could have been a touchdown. But they got 400 yards of offense. But that is what scares me about this team when I was touching on with their run defense. They get down in that game because of mistakes they made themselves, mm -hmm. and the Cardinals were kind of just able to run them into submission and just grind it out. I agree. That's what I think the strength of this team is and why you should believe in them is this elite passing attack that has never wavered throughout this season. But that does scare me with elite offenses like the Cardinals where if they get up, that this team could kind of just be run into submission. Yeah, it is an understandable concern. But what I will say is they didn't start the year out great against the run and that Cardinals game was when we just really saw them dominate at the line of scrimmage in a way that we haven't normally seen from this Rams team and honestly haven't normally seen from that Cardinals team. It was just like they were getting five, six yards on the ground every single mm -hmm. time that they wanted to. But in recent weeks, they have had some stingy performances on the ground. Yes, against bad teams when they're up early. But nevertheless, I just think this was an elite run defense last year. And if they can just be solid, pretty good against the run, which I think they've already progressed towards and probably will be for the majority of this year, it's just a great all-around football team. But I will say, I don't know if we can have a full take on their run defense yet because it hasn't been tested all that much mm -hmm. in recent weeks. Are, are we going to go through this whole segment, though, without bringing up the Bucks? I mean, they're, no. number, they're number three, right? I think that they probably have to be. If you're talking about the class of complete football teams like I think that the three best rosters in football are L.A., Tampa Bay, and Buffalo. I completely agree. So, yeah, the Bucks have been really impressive. I mean, obviously a little bit of a slip-up this past week, but for the most part we have just seen two-way dominance, man. Like, it is just a machine for them. And here's my thing with Brady. I've touched, about, I've touched on this many times, but now that we have Mikey in the studio, I just think... In no world is he the best quarterback in football, okay? He is in such an optimized situation with a great O-line, with unbelievable weapons, and, like, he just has to sit in the pocket and be accurate and throw with touch and make good decisions. And, yes, of course he can do that. He's, like, the smartest person we've ever seen play football, and he's super accurate and all that. But we also saw what happened in New England two years ago. You take his weapons away, you take his offensive line away, and he looks like an old man. You get pressure on him. And he looks like an old man. He's got to throw that ball away or else he's just mm -hmm. not going to make a play happen. And there were just so many insanely dynamic quarterbacks today. Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, even Aaron Rodgers, although he's lost a lot of that insane playmaking, is still better in those situations. I just think if you're telling me what's the measure of a great quarterback, it has to in part be your ability to make something out of nothing, right? It can't just be I put you in the perfect situation because then we can say, oh, Matthew Stafford's the best quarterback in football because he's in a perfect situation now. What QBs did you list off? Mahomes, Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers. I would think that there are others I have above Brady, too. I'd take, and I've said this, people have called me crazy, I'd take Lamar, As I'd would take I. Kyler. As would I. I'd take uh, Dak Prescott. Like, Dak's kind of the, the one that's closest, but I'd still take Dak over him. And call me crazy, I'd consider Justin Herbert and Derek Carr. Ah, oh, Derek Carr, good Lord. I would throw Russell Wilson in there. I think oh, a healthy Russell Wilson, I'd take over him. This is what I've always said. I'm still a little bit 
unsure about Lamar, although he has so many more dynamic traits, but I do want to see... He's had that unbelievable single game this year throwing like the perfect second half, but I do still want to see it on the biggest stage when you have to throw your team from behind. I think he's probably better than Brady, though. I think Tom Brady is the sixth or seventh best quarterback in football in an amazing situation where he is optimized to succeed. And that's an insane thing to be at 44, but I just don't think he compares talent-wise to Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes. So going back to something you just said, Logan, you said that you were kind of iffy on whether you would take Dak Prescott over Tom Brady. How do you feel about the Dallas Cowboys? You know, they've had some strong showings so mm-hmm. far, but it just feels like with Dallas, their their luck always runs out at one point or another. They have a strong roster. Obviously, Tony Pollard's been a great backup running back. You have Zeke. You have a plethora of receiving options, and you have Dak Prescott coming back now from injury. Do you think they're the number two in the NFC? Do you think they're a true contender? I'm so glad Mikey asked this because we have this on our rundown. Where do we have uh, the Cowboys Mm -hmm. uh, among our genuine contenders in the NFC? They're not two, but I will say the Cowboys are in the same tier of teams. Uh, They're in the same tier of like caliber of team of like the Tennessee Titans when uh, when they had Derrick Henry. And what I mean by that is they're a team that you don't want to run into in the NFC playoffs because they're a team that can put up a lot of points in a hurry against anybody. I mean, you take a look at what they did to the Bucks week one. They took them down to the wire. It took Brady leading that last second comeback. I mean, that's kind of the only genuine competition we've seen them play, so maybe that's your pushback against why Dallas isn't a contender because we haven't seen them do this against enough top-notch teams. But Dallas is a terrifying team. I would not want to see them in the playoffs. Like Dak, I, for my money, they have the best receiving core in football. I've said this. I think they are a top-three passing attack in football. They just move the ball effortlessly, and it hasn't been an issue all season long. And I will say, another criticism of this team that maybe you could throw out there is their defense just because they've been so inconsistent this season. Last week, man, that was impressive against Minnesota. And they had a, uh, I believe, maybe I misheard this, I believe they had a defensive player like calling plays for them or making decisions at the line of scrimmage. Um, J. Ron Curse was making decisions for them there. He leads his team in tackle so far this season. He has been a massive addition uh, at the safety spot. He has been so huge for this squad. And the biggest difference that I saw last week was how they were using Micah Parsons. Carson, Micah was me and yours defensive rookie of the year pick. We thought Mm -hmm. he was a leading favorite. They used Micah finally in that rover role um, where it was, and I thought Ryan Clark did a great job of breaking this down. They finally used Micah in that see ball, go get ball role where mm-hmm. he was used at Penn State. Go get the guy who has the football, whether it's on the run, whether it's in the passing attack. And I think that is why I still think they're my fifth team out the NFC, to answer your question. I still think they're firmly behind the Packers and the Cardinals yeah. because there's just more talent down the entirety of the roster. But if Micah Parsons is used in this rover role and can just dominate the game, because I think he is on that level as just a straight-up defensive player. If they continue to use Micah in this role, I think that takes this defense up a notch to where they are a scary, scary team in the NFC. They don't fundamentally change how I think about the Cowboys, but I think if they continue to use Micah in this role, they're a fringe top-10 defense and an easy top-5 offense. It's tough because the NFC is so loaded, but they're a team that I would not want to run into uh, in the NFC playoffs whatsoever. I agree. I have them fifth in my NFC hierarchy, but... There are just five insane teams right now. I mean, we have four teams sitting with one loss, and then we have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So, like, it's an incredible group at the top, and I think that they have 
four of the five best teams in football, and the Cowboys are like knocking on the door there. This offense is every bit as unbelievable as expected. We have seen them put up almost 3,200 yards of offense in seven games. Like It's just unthinkable, the consistency with which they move the ball. The concern that I do have, though, is when you talk about them being a fringe top 10 defense, I'm just not sure, man. Like We haven't seen them stop people, and I know that we're aware of this, but it was such a turnover-dependent mm-hmm. defense. Like, they forced multiple turnovers in each of their first six games, and we have seen teams throw the ball on them. They've allowed the third most passing Mm -hmm. yards. It's just been the ridiculous propensity to force turnovers, and I don't know how sustainable that is. Now, we saw them have a very good overall defensive game against the Vikings, one of their best. They held them to the lowest yard total that they've allowed this year. They didn't force a turnover, and they still held a good offense to 16 points. I need to see more of that, though, to say this team is an elite contender. But do they have the ceiling to make an NFC championship run? Yes. Can they beat pretty much anybody on any given day? Feels like it. Like, this offense is that exceptional. Yeah, you make a good point. And I think maybe I... Yeah, I think I think I got myself a little riled up there. Um, <laughs> yeah, this has been such a turnover-dependent defense. I'm glad you point that out. They also have not been a good run, uh, red zone defense either, which is definitely a concern against top teams. I completely agree with what you just said, though. Any given Sunday, I do believe in the Dallas Cowboys to beat anybody. All right, let me ask both of you this. We'll press the Mikey button first. Between the Cardinals and the Packers, who do you view as the superior contender? And are those the third and fourth teams in the NFC? Like, Mikey, what's your NFC top five? I got to say, come playoffs, I'm probably taking the Rams one. Okay. Then the Buccaneers. Agreed. I might go Cardinals. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> Cowboys, then Packers. I'm taking Packers five. Cowboys I mean, over Packers. You have a lot of questions with this Packers team just because, I mean, Aaron Rodgers isn't playing this week. Mm-hmm. He actually broke NFL protocol by doing a endorsement deal, even though he's not vaccinated. So that's a whole storyline that hasn't even really come out yet. You have Devontae Adams kind of shifting in and out of availability every week. And obviously they're a very strong team, but the Cardinals are showing up every week. Mm-hmm. You can trust Kyler Murray now. He's playing at a, an amazing level. They have DeAndre Hopkins, assuming he's available to come back. And I think that Packers game, they lost on such a fluke play. It's really hard to use that as kind of the barometer for which team mm-hmm. you know, you're taking overall. I, I think they were obviously one terrible miscommunication away from winning that game yeah logan we actually touched on these two teams specifically a bit last week but give us the the short and quick of who you'd have higher yeah i mean it's tough like the noise mikey made that's exactly how i feel when trying to make the (laughs) distinction between the cards and the packers like yeah we touched on this and i still think the packers need to be a better red zone offensive unit and i think mikey you make a good point with the concern about rogers and his availability come playoff time because that's a real concern because we saw how much uh covet affected the league last year if rogers isn't there this team flat out sucks we know Mm -hmm. that that being said when healthy i am taking the packers over the cardinals any day because they have aaron Rodgers. and you talk about it you can trust kyler murray 
I believe in Kyler Murray's ability, but he has been extremely erratic this season in his play and his consistency. Against the Niners, he took a while to get going until the last drive. Against the Packers, he took a while to get going until the last drive. And so for that fundamental reason, it sucks. I hate that I'm hitting the Aaron Rodgers button here. I believe in Aaron Rodgers to carry this team to wins week in, week out. And if he is healthy, I am taking the Packers as my third best team. The pass rush has been better this year. This defense has been better. And Aaron Rodgers has been consistently elite. So when Rodgers is healthy, I'm going to take the Packers all day over the Cardinals. Interesting. I think it's very narrow between the two of them. I think I very slightly lean Arizona. I think it's a bit more of a complete roster talent-wise. And uh, it's very narrow. I do think, though, that they are both honestly Super Bowl-caliber teams. I think that there are four clear Super Bowl-caliber teams in the NFC. And that's a heck of a place to be, man. So... Real quick here, last segment, Logan. May not be a Super Bowl caliber team, but very unfortunately, we've seen a bit of a surge from the New England Patriots as of late. And at the same time, we've seen a little bit of a slide from the LA Chargers who came out of the gate so strong, starting out 4-1. and one. So we've talked about a few of the AFC wildcard candidates up to this point. Between those two, who do you think is the better contender for a wildcard spot? I think I believe in the Pats, man. And it's weird to say, like, because if you want to talk about genuine playoff contention, the one barometer that you should measure teams by is the the volatility of an offense, the mm-hmm. a, a potential to explode on any given day. There's no team that I think exemplifies that more than the Chargers. And that's why I would say that maybe they would be my pick. I just think the Pats' defense is so much better. I believe in their offensive line to get, uh, to get push up front for these running backs. And I like what I've seen from Mac Jones. Like, when you're talking about explosivity and volatility between offenses, I don't think there's the Chargers are in a different tier. That being said, I just like the team that surrounds Mac. I like the defensive identity that the Patriots have more than the Chargers. I believe in Bill Belichick to game plan and get this team over the hump. So I'm going to go with the Pats. They've got a, they've got a decently, I don't know, man. With the Pats every game, it feels like a toss-up. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take them, though, just because I believe in the units around Mac uh, more than the unit around Justin Herbert. But it it's damn sure close. Yeah. The Patriots are clearly a better all-around football team. This is almost just a faith in Justin Herbert question because that's what made them a really good team through five weeks. That's what before the year we looked at, and I said, I don't like this roster all that much. I picked them to win nine games, and I said, This is a vote of confidence in Justin Herbert and his ability to be a top 10 level exceptional quarterback. And when he did that, this team, again, was winning a lot of games, even against good teams. Last couple weeks, the offense has just dropped off. It is a monumentally flawed run defense, unquestionably the worst in football, worst by yards allowed, worst by yards per attempt, 28th in touchdowns allowed on the ground. That's brutal, but it is just still such a more dynamic offense and When it comes to the Pats, man, I'm just not sold yet. Like, they've beaten awful teams, except for the Chargers, as we saw this past week. But, like, they should have lost the Houston Texans. (laughs) And uh, they've beaten the Jets twice. And other than that, they've lost to the quality opponents they faced. They lost to the Dolphins in Week 1, and I really don't think we understood how bad of a loss that was in the moment. So, I just need to see a little bit more. I think I would still lean slightly pro-Chargers because of the Justin Herbert factor. And even though Mac Jones has been very good by rookie quarterback standards, I don't think that this run game is dominant enough to carry them 
to the promised land. Like that was going to have to be the mold for them if they were going to win 10, 11 games. It was going to be, we're going to be exceptional on the ground. And they've been 22nd in rushing yards. They've been 24th in yards per attempt. I don't think that this line is great. Like it's a, it's a good defense. I don't think that it's enough though to compensate for some of the issues that this team has. And it's not that they are terrible anywhere. They're just not dynamic anywhere. You know what, Carson? They beat the Jets by 41, okay? Yeah. Well, good for that, man. What an accomplishment. If you beat the Jets by less than 41, you should be publicly tried and have tomatoes thrown at you. I just want to make a point on the Patriots. I don't know if we mention them as a spot for Odell, but yeah. I think that mm-hmm. would be a really good spot. I mean, 100%. if you're trusting... I love Nelson Aguilar, but if you're trusting Nelson <laughs> yeah. Aguilar, Jacoby Myers, mm-hmm. Jonu Smith, yeah. Kendrick Bourne, Nikhil Harry as yeah. a receiving core, like you're going to be let down. 100%. They, they need a playmaker like Odell so badly. I think it would greatly increase Mac Jones' confidence. I think it would open up their offense so much. Mm-hmm. And I think that would be a really good move for them. Definitely. Here's hoping it doesn't happen, but... <laughs> yeah. Undeniably, I mean, it's one of the weakest receiving cores in football, and that's going to make things harder, obviously, on a rookie quarterback when, again, there's really no identity of this team offensively. So, good shout there, Mikey. With that, we are done here. This has been the Mikey Goody episode of Nerd Sesh. Hope you've enjoyed. If you did, the good news is we have plenty of more content like this out there. You can catch all of our weekly shows Monday, Wednesday, Friday in audio form on Spotify, Apple Podcasts wherever you like to get your content there. You can also watch the Monday and Wednesday shows live on YouTube. We do a video live stream. You can find a lot of other content that we do on our YouTube channel, video essays, video breakdowns. I just did one recently on the Boston Celtics, their major problem. You can check that out. We get some of that content out weekly. You can find all of our stuff, written, audio, video, on our website, nerdsesh.com. You can follow us on social media. Twitter is at nerd underscore sesh, and Instagram is at nerdsesh. And with that, as always, I've been Carson Brabber. I've been Logan Camden. And I've been Michael Hudson Goody. And this was Nerd Sesh. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.